Oh boy, it is it is that time of year again, Justin. It is opening yes, night. It is. Oh boy. Oh well, my it's god. It's not opening night right now when we're recording. It's Tuesday. So you're not supposed to tell. Oh my god, that ruins the podcast. It's opening the night, everybody. Hello, magic. everybody. It's yeah, there we night. go. Yeah, <laughs> we turn things night. around. We it's turn great. things around on on a on a deadline. So yeah. you know. Yeah, we're very good at that. Very um, very good at that. Kane's Country Podcast. Yeah, it's we're 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 talking real hockey now. No more preseason garbage. Um, it was really garbage. It was all garbage. Um, we're talking about real hockey stuff. Uh, this is going to be an interesting episode. Uh, half of this is going to be me and Justin talking, and then the second half, uh, I will be joined by Corey Lavalette, North State Journal, um, covers the Hurricanes, beat writer for North State Journal. He's excellent. We'll talk to him about some stuff as well. Um, but before we get to that, let's just let's. Justin, let's me and you talk about all the things that are happening. So, Hurricanes got the roster. They did. They did it on Tuesday, early in the afternoon. They didn't wait until 5 like they often do in the afternoon, where it has to be submitted. They did it early in the afternoon. Thank you to them. That's very good of them. Um, Julian Gauthier goes down. Anton Forsberg goes down. Those are probably the two biggest, maybe, surprises. Gustav Forsling went down, Clark Bishop, Roland McEwen, everyone, except for Martin Natchez and James Reimer, who are staying in Carolina. So the the roster's down to 20. Natchez beat out Gauthier for the opening night roster spot. Thoughts on all the cuts. They are, they are, they are down to the bare minimum 20 players, 12 forwards, 6 defensemen, two goaltenders um for me i think most were pretty much expected except gotier uh we kind of talked about this a little bit last week we think you know impressed in camp i mean he made big strides last year in charlotte um in terms of improving from an offensive standpoint and just honestly getting along with coaches too so um i i think that he had a great preseason it does surprise me a little bit um but I don't think this is the last we're seeing of Julian Gauthier this year. I think that if uh, an injury arises or, you know, Rod Rinnemore is not afraid to, to mix things up sometimes. So um, wouldn't surprise me to see him get at least a few games in. But uh, everything else, I think, pretty much went as expected. Uh, Martin H is making the team obviously great uh, in terms of uh, how well his development has come along. Um, I was somebody, I will admit it, that wasn't that high on him when we drafted. Um, I, I think I think the uh, the original year, uh, especially when he's over in the uh, Czech Republic too, just eh for me. Uh, but he really impressed and played when he, playing against tougher competition in the AHL. So um, I think that Martin H is making making the team is a good thing until he's not utilized correctly sticking him on the fourth he's line been on will... the power play he's been, he yeah. was on the top power play unit in practice today yeah i can understand that um and you know the big thing about last year was you know rod brindamore kind of weaning andre svechnikov into the lineup i wonder what he does with martin natchez um if he starts him on the fourth line i just think if you're going to start him on the fourth line you might as well go ahead and put him in that center role uh and see where where he goes from there but uh, if if you're going to stick him on the wing on the fourth line, then you're not really helping his development at all because um, he's going to be getting five to six minutes a night, and it's just not going to be the same. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for him. I think that uh, he can make an impact if used in the right way. If you stick him on the fourth line, you know, his impact may be minimal compared to uh, what it could be. Yeah, um, I think Gauthier going down to Charlotte had more to do with Ryan Dezingle really avoiding what could have been a bad injury. Uh, he practiced today in full, which is shocking relatively because when he went down to Nashville, it looked like a pretty serious thing. But it was just an ankle sprain of some sort. And he looks like he's going to be good for opening night. So that took the roster spot away that we were talking about last week. Um, we were kind of under the assumption that Dezingle wouldn't be ready for opening night. Therefore, Natchez and Gauthier would both make the team. But that's not how all that worked out. Um, 
So I, I get why they did it. I mean, Martin Natchez, you know, he, he he's made the team out of camp twice uh, in as many years. This is the third time. Yeah, I think it's I think it's time to to play him. I know Gauthier probably outplayed him in the preseason, but I mean, I I I I take a little bit of a grain of salt about preseason. I think that. Guys like Gauthier, we talked about this last week too. Gauthier is a guy who I think can easily step into the lineup and play his game because he plays a simple game as opposed to Natchez who it might take a little time, but if you give it the time that it needs, he should be able to adjust. So I think accelerating the process and just giving him the chance to adjust right away I think is smart. Especially after last year, he got some experience, and of course, the year yeah, in the American League was very good. So nothing, it didn't really surprise me. I saw people surprised about it. I'm not as surprised, um, but yeah, like you said, Gauthier is going to be right at the top of the list. If a top nine four gets hurt, he's going to be the first guy that gets called up in all likelihood. So we also saw uh, Anton Forsberg go down, which means James Reimer is the backup will be interesting to see how that one plays out because I would think Reimer has a very short leash at this point because, you know, Forsberg played as well as he did in in the preseason. Nadelkovic didn't allow a goal in the preseason in limited action. Um, so lots of depth there. We'll see how all that goes. And maybe maybe we'll see other backup goalie options behind Morazic. So let's just talk about I think we should just do a preview of every aspect of the team, going from forwards to defensemen to goalies to the coaching staff. Let's start with the forwards. Uh, this is a full Canes preview, so why not? Um, let's have fun with this. Expectations from individuals in the group, Justin. Who are you expecting a big year out of up front? What are you expecting from the forwards as a as a whole? Because there's a lot of new pieces there. Um, I'm expecting even more offense uh, than last year. So I fast. think the season before 1718, uh, you know, was kind of weak. And then, you know, the forward group kind of like stepped up, you know, especially then adding Nita Ryder along the way. And then you had a talented rookie in Svechnikov. Um, but as an individual standpoint, I think my expectations are high for Andre Svechnikov this year. Me too. Um, I on our website canescountry.com of course you can always read our stuff there um yeah it, it sounds familiar um uh i projected him for 70 points and i know that seems like a big wow. jump for a guy who had 30, <laughs> that that's a big jump for a guy wow. who had 37 um you and i both <laughs> yeah, know that he wild. has the talent you and i both know that he has the talent to yes. do that yeah it's it's not beyond him to do that uh his shot is unbelievable uh How many goals probably you have one of scoring? one of the better on the team Okay, I, I think I went a little bold for this one, but I have him scoring over thirty. Okay, I have him scoring over I don't thirty. Think that's yeah, yeah, twenty even strength you're, as a rookie. So you're, you're, no, I, I don't have a problem with the goals. So you're banking on him having a lot of assists because in this reality, you're saying that he has around forty yes, assists. Yes, be, because this year he has better line mates. Okay. Uh, he's gonna play in that top like six. That. Yeah. He's gonna play with a Hala. He's gonna play with a Stall. He's gonna play with an Aho or maybe a Teravainen. So he's gonna be fine, and he's gonna have plenty of. Ample power play time. So he's not um, going to be passing the puck to Jordan Martinuk anymore. Absolutely not. And if he is, then <laughs> wake up, Rod. Um, then there must be a lot of injuries. <laughs> yeah, up front. yeah. No, I, I, I went a little high on the projections for him, but I, I think that if anyone can make a huge jump, it's, it's going to be him. For sure, it's going to be for him. Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm, I don't feel like it's too bold, but I mean, even sixty points from him is, is another big step in his. Um, in his development, and I think you know he can be a guy that could even be better, you know, down the line. Maybe not this year, of course, but I think he could be your franchise piece, and maybe a little bit better than Aho. I, I think yeah. physically he has the tools. Um, he just needed better line mates, and that's really what it came yeah. down to. He's a different player than Aho, but the skill is absolutely there. Mm-hmm. The ability to score a lot of goals in the league. Um, I, I like those. I like those hot takes on Svechnikov. I think those are good. Um, I don't know if he's going to get 70 points. He could. I think it depends on how much he gets gets played. But I think he can flirt with 30 goals this year. I, 
I don't see that being unlikely by any stretch of the imagination. Imagination, um, especially if he's gonna, you know, see good power play time and actually score on the power play, which I predict uh, right here, right now, that he will score a power play goal this year. Wow, that's, that's you know what? Is... I think he's also gonna score a penalty kill goal as well. No, he's not. Yes, no, yes, shorthanded. Wow, he's going to score a shorthanded goal. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but wow. how about this? It's gonna be a five on three. And he's going to be the first guy out of the box to make it a five on four. The puck gets chipped up to him. He scores on a breakaway five on four penalty kill goal. How about that? Wow. Remember that. Uh, um, <laughs> wow. Just we'll wow. come back to that one, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll, I'm okay. sure we'll come back to that prediction. Um, yeah. So the new guys, Howla, Dezingle, um, what do you think? Are these guys that you like? Are these guys that make a lot of sense and can have big years? Um, yes. Uh, I think that I'm surprised that more people didn't take a bite at Ryan Dezingle. Um, yeah, he was a guy coming off a career year, so you probably thought his uh, average annual value would have been much higher than what the Hurricanes gave him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you knew someone in the market was bound to overpay, but – uh, they got a good deal for him. So I think if he's healthy and that knee slash ankle or, you know, whatever it ended up being, I think it was an ankle. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I think that he can be a good addition to that top six. I think he at least fills the hole that Justin Williams left behind in terms of offense. Uh, Williams had, what, 51 points, somewhere around there, 50 points. Um, and I, I think Dezingle can reach that in a healthy season for sure, uh, especially with the line mates he's going to have access to. Uh, I'd like to see him paired with Stahl personally. I think their games kind of complement each other a little bit. Uh, you know, with Stahl kind of, you know, doing the heavy lifting and yeah, driving just, play, and yeah, driving and play finish, and finish and exactly, He's a great exactly all that stuff. So um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I went a little high on him as well. Um, I I had him reaching sixty points. I think what his career high was fifty seven. Don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, I I I went a little high, but uh, I I think yeah, given the line mates he's gonna have, he he'll be fine. I think at least fifty is not out of the question. Mm-hmm. That's probably where I'm. I'm probably around fifty for him. Um, you got that I've liked is Eric Halla too. Um, I don't know how. Nick Lawah is going to pan out with Vegas, but I really like that trade, especially if Hala has a good year and reaches 50 points and is that guy. I mean, he's played the penalty kill, too, in preseason. He's very good. He's Man, can he move. He can skate very, very well. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, if, if let's just say he has a good year. He has a good year, and they sign him to an extension that makes sense, then – that trade for Wah is looking pretty good for Carolina. Yeah, uh, really. Hala, um, yeah, it's big injury last year. Didn't get much playing time. You know, I mean, I think he only played in, what, 12 to something 15 like games? That, something like that, yeah. So, like eight um, points or nine points in 15 games? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he looks to be a, a great addition to that probably third line. Um, adds a little bit more offense. I mean, it, you're able to spread it out. I know that... People kind of overreacted when they saw today that Brock McGinn was getting top six time, but that that will change. I, I think, don't think that's going to last long. Yeah, I think Rod Brindamore knows what he's doing. He's going to spread out the offense a little bit to start the season, see what works, see what doesn't. But uh, look, Brock McGinn's probably not going to be staying in the top six, and if he does, it's on a limited basis for sure. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm not too worried about you know early season lines like that. I yeah. think. What's historically been the problem with his team is slow starts, and I think he wants to wake him up a little bit. Uh, Rod Benner probably had high expectations for the uh, the preseason, and it didn't probably go up to what his standards are. So I think he's trying to wake him up a little bit and just move the lines probably different than they were bound to be projected. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think I think early on that's it's kind of about finding duos and pairs and just chemistry and and going from there so yeah i'm not i'm not very worried about that either so we'll move on from the forwards um we'll move on to the defense which is if you hadn't heard pretty good pretty good group the carolina has on the back end so you see the the addition of jake gardner and joel edmondson you're moving out falk into han 
so give me a take give me some takes do you oh, have wow any, okay you have any, big, right. any sveshnikov takes on the blue line how do you like I, the blue hey line? That, that's not an outrageous one by sveshnikov i'm pretty sure i'm not the only sure. person with that who projection. said they wanted to score 30 this year matt dumba i think said that well dougie hamilton scored 30 goals this year <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, no, I think. Uh, uh, I think it's going to work out fine. I. I think you sound a lot confident. of people. Yeah, I, I'm confident in this group still. Uh, I think losing Justin Falk. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I when I spoke to Forslund and Tracy, I mean, they talked about how vile he was as a teammate um, in the locker room. But uh, I, I think that it's still pretty balanced from what I've seen in terms of Jake Gardner's play in Toronto um, to put, I think the problem was Toronto was they weren't deep enough and they had to ask too much of him. I think don't put him out there and it's like the opposite. Yeah. To ridiculous, uh, you know, situations where it's supposed to be played tightly. Uh, I think you need to put him in a situation where you can let his offense kind of go to work. Uh, And, I just wonder if those pairings that are projected right now, I wonder if they stay that way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Slavin and Pesci go back together again. Maybe. Um, I mean, they, they, they will, in, even if it's not full-time, they will um, in, in a, on occasion because in situations in the game, like Pesci and Slavin will see time together regardless. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think maybe you might even see a situation where Hamilton and Garner are on the ice at the same time man. too. Which <laughs> that's oh, not man. a bad, uh, not oh, a bad wow. back end offensively. Yeah, I mean that's like paired paired with wow. one of those top two lines, and you pretty much have a, a goal in the bag, I mean, or at least imagine imagine Aho, Teravainen, Svechnikov, Gardner, and Hamilton on the ice at the same time. Which could be a I power mean, play. I mean, goodness, maybe, the, maybe. I think, I, I think that no. I think no. Given that the addition of Gardner and probably Hamilton taking another step, I think that the power play at least gets much better, thanks in part to the it how should. the defense are. Uh, I think Falk's loss is is tough in some aspects, but. Um, I think he shot a lot into the body on power plays. It and wide of the net. Yeah. So I'm not going to trash him overall, but I think that, um, I think that the loss can be overcome for sure. Mm-hmm. I was very skeptical last year when we lost Jeff Skinner, that the offense was going to be able to step up. Um, and they found secondary scoring. So I think that, you know, with, with Edmondson and, and Gardner and probably uh, fighting for his life, Hayden flurry, I think yeah. that they can fill the hole just fine, and I think that you're still going to get that aspect and penalty killing, and and you know other other parts of the game as well. So uh, I'm not too worried, and I, I think uh, overall the group will do well. But in terms of a big year, I think it all comes down to Hayden Flurry, and I know you agree with me there. I do, I do agree with you. This is it. I mean, this is really, really, it really is. It. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean. When, when TVR, who's starting the year on IR, um, when he gets back, I mean, the best six are going to play. I don't think Brendan Moore cares who it is. Like, it's just flatly, this, the best six are going to play. And if they're healthy, man, is it hard to me for me to imagine that Hayden Flurry would oust any of Edmondson, Gardner, Hamilton, Slave, and Pesci. That's just not going to happen. So, if I mean he needs to play well, TVR needs to struggle coming back. Maybe like it's it looks tough. It, it kind of looks like if if he's not careful, he's destined to be the seventh defenseman again. Which I don't know how long Carolina would hold on to him in that case again because they have more than enough defensive depth in Charlotte now to where they don't need to have Hayden Fleury as a seventh defenseman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, it makes it so tough, I think, you know. Uh, that's just a testament to depth, too. And Jake Bean, I I think you know, early in the offseason, we, before we saw these other additional moves of Gardner and Edmondson and Falk and all that stuff, I think you and I both projected that Bean might get some games, but now I really don't see him getting any. 
I think it would be he would have some injuries. That's for sure. Yeah, it would take some injuries, and of course, you don't wish that upon your players. So, um, yeah, I I I don't see him getting any games this year. Yeah, Um, I'm sure he'll get a couple. People get hurt, and he's going to be playing well, and they'll give him a game or two here and there. But yeah, I don't see anything prolonged or anything like that. Um, Goaltending. So Pierre Morazic, year two of the Peter Morazic experience. Um, is it going to be better than last year, as good as last year, or worse than last year? I think it's going to be as good. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to do much better in terms of save percentage or anything like that. Nine fourteen um, last year, which is good. Yeah, I think I think you can ask that of him again, and he's still going to have a great defense playing in front of him, and now probably forwards that are going to spend most of the time on the other side of the ice, anyways. Yeah. So, um. I think I think you can ask a decent amount out of Peter Mrazek. I think you at least get fifty to fifty-five games out of him. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. I think if you go into the sixties, you know, you're not going to have a fresh goaltender. Maybe come the playoffs, which yeah. they should do. And that's where Carolina's goalie depth comes in handy because you don't have to give, you know, James Reimer. Like if Mrazek gets sixty, and that doesn't mean Reimer has to get twenty-two. That means like he can get like seven and. Nadelkovic can get seven, and Forsberg can get seven if they want to do it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think in terms of Reimer, uh, I think something you pointed out as well, I, I may be wrong, but uh, when he had that contract, you knew he probably wasn't going to be buried in the AHL. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that was... He wasn't going to th- get claimed on waivers. He kind of wins it on that first. Um, but he's got he's got more experience than Nadelkovic and Forsberg, and... Um, you know, once upon a time, he was a great goalie for the Leafs, or at least, you know, a league average and sometimes above average. I mean, he got um, that contract because he yeah, was a good goalie. Absolutely. And and they wanted him to be a duo in Florida. And, well, I mean, their defense has been atrocious the past two years, and that's one reason why or you and yeah, I, I mean, both pointed out that yeah. this year might be different. Now they get the goaltending and, you know, a little bit more defensive help as well. But, um, yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, I think Reimer will be fine as a backup um and i think asking at least a 905 out of them 905 range so so since let's go back to 15 16 in 32 games in 15 16 with toronto he had 918 good then he got traded to san jose where he had a 938 in eight games i vaguely remember that magical run he went on with san jose where he was amazing um 16 17 his first year in florida after he signed that contract a 920. It's good. 1718. 913. Still good. You know, it's above average. Then last year, 1819, 36 games, a 900 save percentage. So, not great. But also, it's not like it's an abomination of a save percentage. 900, I mean, it's not very good. I mean, it's below average, but it's not like he's, you know, an 890 save percentage goalie on the same token and he played 36 games like he shouldn't be playing 36 games we know that um but you know he's capable of being a, a good backup kind of like McElhaney was yeah maybe not yeah. quite as good but yeah. yeah um yeah in terms of Forsberg still just don't know why that was even a thing he was why so good they... in preseason but why did they acquire him I don't know I don't know. Yeah. It just makes things weird. Especially if you feel like you had that darling deal in the back pocket, like and you knew that you're gonna take it back a goalie, especially Reimer. I don't know. It just makes things difficult. I still think for me, I still think Nadelkovich gets number one in Charlotte. I'd be surprised. Um He he should be number one in Charlotte. They might yeah, split games if Forsberg does start in Charlotte and stays there. I wouldn't be surprised if they split games or something like that. I also wouldn't be surprised if, like, a week into the season, Forsberg gets called up to Raleigh for some reason. Like, none, yeah. none of those things surprise me. I think it's a very fluid situation with the goalies. Because Brynamore even said on Tuesday that um, the question of sending down Forsberg was more of a management thing because, you know, he thought he was great. Because Forsberg was very good in the preseason. And, you know, the, the whole thing about sending him down was more of a not – related to the on ice product thing and more of Don Waddell and f- making things work 
financially <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. So there are th- there's a lot of things going on with the goalies right now. So I think it's very much a thing that's up in the air and not finalized. So yeah, and you could uh, you could eventually see maybe one moved out. I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise. Um. Yeah. So those are all the position groups. Very good. Um. So here we go. The big the big predictions here. This is why we're here. We're here to get these things right, Justin. Okay. Okay. All Just right. Remember we're that. Here to get we're, right? here to, okay. we're here to make these predictions and get them right. Okay. That's the only reason we're here. So if we don't get these right, we're probably not going to be part of this podcast. We'll be replaced by new people. Deservedly <sighs> so. So now that the pressure's on, we need predictions for the Hurricanes' leading goal scorer. How many goals he or she will score? Um, assists, points, go. All right. Uh, my leading goal scorer will be the easy choice, Sebastian Ajo. Um, I'm gonna, I'm yeah, I'm gonna project thirty six or thirty seven out of him. Wow, my okay. prediction is Ajo with thirty seven. Oh, okay. All right, all right. But I wonder who your assist is. Um, okay. My assist, Tavo Teravainen, and he will have fifty five. I, no, I think fifty six. Have... I also have Tavo Teravainen, and I will go on the high side. I will go with. Uh, you're man, not gonna, you're not I'm gonna, not going to do it. Never mind. I know I'll what say, you were thinking about doing, but I'll say assist. Like I'll say assist, and I'll say, what the heck, fifty three. Okay. I thought I I know where you were thinking about going. I think you thought I was going to sixty. I was, I was like, no, there's no way. He's no way he's going to say that. I was like, yeah, it's just the way it bounces. I mean, that would have to be one of the <laughs> league's best lines next year. Like it would just yeah. be. But even in the fifties is a very good number for the assists. And possible with his line mates, especially if he plays with Sveshnikov too. Yeah. Um, but Aho alone, yeah, I could get him fifty I mean, assists. The line with Aho, Teravine, Sveshnikov. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be a lot of points. Yep. Even Niederreiter, even if it's not Sveshnikov. So. Yeah. All right. Points. Your points. I first. have. Sebastian Ajo, and I have him projected at 87. That's four no more way. than last year. No That's, way. Did you have you, 87 as well? I picked Ajo at 87. Oh <laughs> I'm, not I'm not lying. All right, there's too this much was, parody in this podcast. We need to shake what, up the league, last restructure week, it. Last week, we picked the exact same Eastern Conference playoff teams. Man. And we almost... Well, okay, all right, we flip-flopped. we flip-flopped a little bit. I picked, no, we picked the same uh, teams, but yeah. we had a couple in different order. Yeah, but um, now we're picking Aho. We, I swear that you know, we did I'll, not I'll, confer on this. We did I'll not take, talk about this. I'll take the overall. Go with eighty. Wait, what did I say? Eighty-seven. Oh, uh, eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. I'll go well, with eighty-eight. If you think it's 80, okay, well, I'm picking eighty-seven. That that was my number. All right, that's as, as proof. That was the number um, I sent to Brian earlier about because uh, we're doing our staff picks as well, and I sent okay. eighty-seven and thirty-seven for Aho. Wow. wow! Wow! Crazy. Uh, we're thinking very similar this yeah. year. Um, okay, so we have the same goals, assists, and points, guys. Um, I'd say if it's not going to be Aho um, for for goals, I I think I think Niederreiter might get it too. I think Niederreiter might have a massive year. So just saying. Um, so before we, we get out of here and move on to the part with Corey, um, breakout players, do you have a breakout player this year for the Canes? Well, I mean, the easy choice is Fetchnikov, I yes. think. Um, that can be your choice. But on a maybe more bold note, okay. I think Warren Fogle maybe, maybe he has wow. a good year. I don't think like anything outrageous, like fifty or sixty points out of him. But I think you get more than you got in the regular season last year from him. When we saw had, how like, great he was in the postseason. Yeah, we had. We saw how great he was in the postseason. He literally scored in the first few games of the regular season, and then in the last few games of the regular season. So, um, 
Yeah, I'll I'll take a, a small breakout candidate would be Warren Fogle on like a lower level. But the easy pick is Svechnikov. And yeah, that is easy. Pick. Really racking up that or maybe even doubling his point, point total from last year. Yeah. Um, I like the Fogle pick. I'm going to go with... I don't know if it's possible for him to break out because he hasn't played in the league really yet. I'm going to go with Martin Hs. I think he's going to... Not only is he going to stick, um, when we look back in a few months, I think we're going to be like, okay, yeah, so <laughs> it really always should have been Natchez and not Gauthier. That's nothing to do with Gauthier. I think Natchez is just going to have a really good year as a rookie. Um, I think you know he's going to get prominent power play time. Uh, I think he'll work his way up the lineup as the year goes on. I think he can get... F- 40 points and I, I think that would be a really good year for him so I think he's gonna have a good year I think he's gonna be a mainstay and I think he's gonna grow on it and I think he's gonna be a good, good pro um so yeah my pick's Natchez uh neither of us picked Hayden Fleury so that should, <laughs> talk uh, that about should tell the you confidence we have in his big year um hopefully he he proves us wrong though all right so that was me and Justin for 30 minutes talking about the Kane season it was a very good time um, up next, I'm going to talk to Corey Lavalette, North State Journal, um, and that'll also be great. So stick around through the Midroll Ad Canes Country podcast. All right, welcome back. And for our Canes preview, we have a very special guest, and it's Corey Lavalette of the North State Journal. Once upon a time, uh, many moons ago, also of Canes Country. Um, hello, Corey. Uh, I appreciate you being here. How are you doing? Doing well. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, many, many moons ago. You're right. <laughs> um, so since since this is a Canes preview, we'll we'll go back to maybe one moon ago or maybe two moons ago. Um, we'll go more recent. Um, so a lot of things are happening, Corey. Uh, today, uh, the day we're recording this Tuesday, many cuts were made. We're not not many, but it was cut down to a 20 man roster. Um, among the cuts were the, really the training camp story was Julian Gauthier and Martin Natchez. And after all of that, it looks like Martin Natchez has won the job out of camp. Um, of the cuts also, there were expected guys like Forsling and Bishop, uh, Forsberg was sent down as well. So just from, from your point of view, were there any surprises outside of, the Gauthier cut, and what were your initial reactions to finding out that Julian Gauthier got cut after his great camp? Yeah, um, I, I guess I'm not surprised that Martin Natchez made the team just because of any time he was out there, he was featured pretty prominently on the power play, and to me, that's uh, as the, the only right-handed guy on the roster among the forwards right now, you know, you kind of felt like if you needed, you know, Rod's talked about, you know, hey, we need to have a little balance, have a right-hand shot out there, um, so with, with him practicing on the power play a lot, you know, if Goche was out there, he'd be more of a net front guy and not really a shooting option. Uh, I'm not surprised by that, but I am surprised Goche didn't make the team. And I think it may be more about the cap situation and then the, um, you, you know, the improved health of, of a couple guys, you know, Zingle and obviously nature's too, um, being able to practice today without, without any limitations it seemed like nobody was in a yellow jersey out of out of those guys that have been hanged up of late so um you know i i'm surprised he was sent down but i couldn't get it it's one of those things where uh they really only have the cap space right now to carry you know carry 20 guys and they don't want to eat up long-term cap space by having a guy there who's going to sit on the bench so um, I get it. Injuries are going to happen, and you know maybe there's an opportunity for him to come up and play a couple games uh, and go back down, kind of do the, the Hayden Flurry thing from last year a bit. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm surprised by anything. I, I was surprised when Anton Forsberg was the one who was put on waivers uh, the day before and that um, he, that he was beat out by James Reimer because um, I, I wasn't in love with, with what I saw from Reimer, you know, but everything I've talked to him, he's an incredibly good guy, and he kind of fits that Curtis McElhinney, you know, happy-to-be-a-backup uh, mentality, I think. Not that, that that either he or 
or Curtis weren't competitive and wanted to start, but um, not a rock the boat guy or anything. Um, so I mean, I, thought, I think that was probably the thinking a little bit on top of getting rid of Scott Darling's contract. But um, I just watching him in practice, I uh, seems like there's a lot of goals going in the back of the net when he's out there. And uh, Forsberg, Forsberg, uh, I almost did it. The Forsberg, Forsberg thing. I know. Um, <laughs> there's so many of them, and John Forsberg I know. too. There's just there's, there's I, too many. That's why he was. I know. I was going to cut them all, and we're just we're just going to leave John Forslund, who that nobody's going to do. Um, so yeah, I was, um, you know, uh, surprised that he didn't beat out Reimer, but I understand why. Um, and there's no there's nothing that says you know if Reimer gets two starts and looks terrible, you know they can they can easily flip those guys around. It's, it'll, you know, all you got to do is put Reimer on waivers and send them down and. They can actually move Forsberg up and down a little bit now if they need to. So, um, you know, interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, but unlike last year, it's pretty clear who the number one goalie is this year and, and who they're going to have to ride, you know, with, with Peter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because when you, when, you look, when you think about the goalie situation, you have, obviously, you have your number one in Mrazic. But then uh, Rod even said, he said a, f- a couple times that Nedeljkovic, I mean, he's kind of like the odd man out in all of this, but he wasn't given much of a fair chance given, I guess, the contract situations. I mean, you have two one-way contracts through arbitration for Forsberg and then Reimer's uh, more expensive deal, but they have an interesting situation here with they have three goalies that if they really wanted to, they could kind of shuffle around if, you know, if Reimer starts off poorly like you said it's a really it's it's a lot different than than last year I think in that regard there's there's so many competent goalies now to ranging degrees obviously but yeah it's it's a different situation um moving on to really the off season you know there there were some confusing moves that were made at the time uh when you think back to the Dahan move obviously health plays into that. Um, it was it was kind of out of nowhere, but other moves were made to kind of make more sense of it. Um, what's been talked about in the past is the the chemistry of this team and and how well the team gelled last year and how that played a big role in what they did. A decent amount of turnover, especially when you, when you consider Williams is gone, your captain Falk, an alternate big guy in that regard he's gone too. How do you think they did over the off season to, you know, they, they made some tough decisions, but they also supplemented those decisions with capable guys. How did you think that they went about that? And did they get better, worse? They, did they tread water? Well, they obviously didn't make Calvin DeHaan happy. We know that. Oh yeah. They didn't <laughs> uh, make Alexi Sorella happy either. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know that he's going to be happy anywhere. He's probably not happy <laughs> in Chicago now either. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, some of it, uh, you know, the Dahan thing, I think when you realize that everything's working out with with the top four you have, which at that time included Falk, you're just like, well, we don't need to pay $4 million for a, a number five defenseman. Um, and then when Gardner kind of falls in your lap with an even smaller deal, um, you know, now you're like, well, we don't need Justin Falk, you know, in his expiring contract as a number five defenseman. So all of that, you know, makes sense. I, you know, I think it, uh, I don't think there was any plan to do all that. Um, but then they got, you know, uh, Edmondson, and I want to say to Branson over and over again. So I'm going to say that it's I've seen, I've seen multiple people say that, so I don't think you're alone on that. Yeah, it's going to come out in, in a, tweet or something it's gonna happen people will get mad at you and it'll be okay yeah yeah because they're similar you know similar styled guys similar names and (laughs) yeah so the whole thing is is a mess but um uh you know i I think that rod was happy to get that kind of guy back um you know he said to kind of replace what justin brought i never thought of justin as particularly a, a physical guy i mean i think you look at him and he's a very built guy i i never i I wish that was part of his game that had developed a little more was the ability to be a little meaner and, and use that size more. Um, Edmondson can't help but use the size because he's just big all around. He's not necessarily a muscle bound guy like Falk, but he's, 
Uh, he's big and a little mean and tough. Uh, we saw it in that preseason game against Washington. He yeah. was more than happy to, to let Tom Wilson know what he thought. Of Tom <laughs> oh, Wilson. oh, man. Um, yeah. So, but there is, I mean, there is that leadership aspect you have to think about. You're exactly right. Um, that said, having met all these guys already, um, you know, mentioned Edmondson, you add him, uh, he seems like a really easygoing guy and he just won a Stanley Cup. So, um, you know, you probably worry about him having a little bit of, uh, you know, a lag from the, the really short off season, but at the same time, uh, young guy, and uh, I don't think there's a character issue there. Eric Holler and Ryan Dezingle are both uh, outgoing guys who who seem to fit in just fine. Um, so I think that's that's definitely a positive. Uh, Jake Gardner's a little standoffish now with us, but to me, that's more of a product of probably being in Toronto for a long time and knowing like yeah. if I say any one thing wrong, it's going to be a front page story for six six hours until the next outrage comes along. Um, But seems like like a good guy, too. So, I mean, the additions that were made, and like I said, Reimer's a good guy. Um, I think they all fit in well. Now you need the one guy who's going to pull it all together, and they don't have that with Williams gone right now. Um, Jordan isn't the same kind of guy. Um, You know, he's been here long enough. uh, But he's respected by everyone. I mean, nobody questions his effort is – integrity, um, all of that, you know, and he's obviously uh, a guy who's not about himself. He's a team guy. So uh, it's different for him this time being captain versus half captain. Um, So we'll see how that goes. But it's important to remember that the guy at the top is still there with Rod. And while Justin got a lot of credit, um, you know, Rod deserves a lot of that too. And, you know, Justin learned from Rod along the way, I think, uh, young, you know, early in his career when he was in Carolina the first time around. And I think, um, you know, Rod has wisdom to pass on to these other guys. And it's not like they've been, uh, they're playing under a new coach too. So um, we'll see how that goes. You know, Jordan Martin looks obviously a, a, a fun choice for an alternate because he's a, he's a fiery guy. You know, he and Peter, I say, Marazic, I would say are the two guys to me that stand out the most as, uh, emotional leaders on the team, guys who who feed off that or or feed the you know feed their team energy, um, you know, and Brock again a little bit too, but not in so much an outspoken way, but in the way he plays. Uh, so it'll be um, it'll it'll be fun to see how that dynamic all comes together. But it's a pretty loose room, and uh, I think uh, I think they'll they'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the big thing in all of it last year was kind of Rod Brindamore being at the at the top of everything and it, it obviously it hurts to lose to lose Justin Williams and that's a important piece and maybe maybe one day down the road he'll come back but Brindamore I think is is really the the key thing that got all of that started so obviously that's that's huge and him going into his second year as a head coach I mean were there lessons learned do you expect anything different from him the second time around it's it's a slightly different situation and I know he's been asked you know compared to the first year when you're really trying to gain traction in any way and build up now it feels like they've built up to to a degree I mean they're back in the spotlight to an extent in the NHL is it how how different do you anticipate Rob Brindamore will go about things this year compared to last year if not you know, we, we all know he's going to be the same Rod Brindamore, but are there things that you expect him to change at all? You know, I think the difference, and I think Rod's a good coach. We'll, we'll, we'll know. We'll be able to, you know, in five years, we'll be able to say, is Rod Brindamore a great coach? Right now, Rod's a good coach, and I don't think there's any doubt about that, that he, he you know, the example he sets works for a team that's willing to buy into it. Um, the thing about Rod is he is not a... Uh, he's not some kind of master manipulator like a Scotty Bowman or a John Tortorella or, um, you know, some of these guys, you know, Ken Hitchcock, some of these guys that, um, you know, would find ways to motivate guys, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the team versus the coach kind of thing, like the, <laughs> you know, like the, uh, 
80 Olympic team kind of mentality that mm-hmm. that Tortorella has seemed to employ sometimes yeah. or yeah. the Scotty Bowman, the Scotty Bowman, you know, knowing how to push certain guys' buttons. I think Rod's just an honest guy. Rod is who Rod is. He's not, you know, uh, you know, he, he tries not to tell on himself to us a lot. You know, you could tell he wants to be like, this is what's going on. Yeah. And he, he's learned to not say as much maybe, but I think with his players, he is who he is. He's, you know, he's respected because of his playing career. And, you know, everybody that played against him seemed to have respect for him. Certainly everyone who played with him had a lot of respect for him. Uh, and that carries weight. And uh, even if some of these guys never really got to see him play much, you know, we're, you know, now we're, uh, God, almost almost 14 years removed from the Stanley Cup championship. Mm-hmm. You know, Andre yeah. Sechnikov would have been five. Yeah. Um, or, or six, you know. Um that carries weight, and it's that's what to me is different than you know. And Rod says this different than a guy like Bill, who um, never really made it, and kind of seems to use a little bit of that you know trick you kind of ways to try to motivate people. Um, and Rod's not like that. He's not the kind of guy who's going to call somebody out to us to to push a button on a guy. Uh, he's just going to be, that's what he does. And I think that's why it works for him. Now, um, it works with a young team. You know, if we're, if we're six years down the road and all these guys are 27 and they're still hanging around, which I don't know if this team will ever, you know, let their team get old. That's just not their mentality. I don't think, but, um, you know, then things may be different once you have guys who are settled into their career and maybe aren't, you know, especially if they accomplish something big, like win a Stanley Cup or something, is that motivation still going to be there? Um, and that's time will tell with that. But I think that's what Rod's biggest, you know, weapon is, is just that, you know, he knows he's an, he, he played an honest game. He was an honest player. And, the, and all the guys know that. So they know if they're really putting in an honest effort that he's going to be straight with them. And that's, that's his biggest – that's the biggest uh, – the biggest axe he has to wield with these guys is just, you know, they know that, you know, it's, it's almost fatherly. He's going to be mm-hmm. disappointed if they're not putting in the effort that, that he expects of them. So, um, I, you know, I think that, you know, you mentioned, and I'm, you know, I mentioned previously too, that, you know, yes, Justin Williams did a lot, but Hey, let's not forget, you know, Justin Williams learned under the guy who's standing on the bench. So, uh, you know, it, it's to be seen. It's been one year, and we've seen plenty of coaches have a great first year, and then, uh, you know, you, then you wonder what the heck's going on. But I, I feel like Rod's got a pretty good handle on it. Mm-hmm. Um, transitioning to the to the components of the team, there are, you know, this, this was one of the youngest teams in the league last year. It's going to be one of the younger teams in the league this year. Um Obviously, last year, when you think of guys who broke out in a big way, you think of a Sebastian Ajo or a Teva Teravainen who brought their games to the next level. There are others in that conversation as well, Warren Fogel in the postseason. Um, do you see anyone else on this team as currently constructed um, breaking out in a way that's that's significant maybe obviously not the level of a Sebastian Ajo because you're not going to get that very often but another player be it younger or older who you you can see having an increased level of success this year well I think the obvious answer is Andre Svechnikov you know that he looks more confident um his English is much improved which can only help Mm -hmm. um and I think that, you know, he's just, he's going to grow and grow into being the kind of power forward that every team wants. So he's an easy answer. Um, I think for this team to be successful, you're going to have to see one of the top three defensemen uh, that were here last year um, emerge as more of an offensive threat, whether that's Dougie Hamilton taking another step and maybe being a guy who scores close to closer to 20 goals or even more than that. Or you see Jacob Slavin or Brett Pesci become uh, an even bigger threat. And, uh, you know, we saw Brett flash that a little bit in the preseason with his yeah. little inside-out toe drag. Oh, man. You know? That was that was gnarly, what he did to Dmitry yeah. Kolov. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I think you might see one of those guys um, 
and I, I, I would lean more towards Slavin and or Pesci having more offensive, uh, more of an offensive bent this year, especially uh, when you look and there's not, you know, there's not a, there's not really a hole anywhere that, that needs to be covered up. I don't think, you know, Hayden Flurry's got a lot to learn, but, uh, but he's going to be all right. You know, he's, he's put his time in and we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, that's the other thing, you know, big breakthrough. I, I think Hayden Flurry may probably possibly score this year. So, wow. Are you sure about <laughs> that? That would, <laughs> that would be, be a big breakthrough. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I think I think that's the thing to watch for. Is I think one of those three defensemen is either going to take a is going to take a next step, whether it's Dougie kind of going into the stratosphere, kind of the pace that Matt Dumba was on last year with Minnesota before he got hurt. And I know Dumba's talking about scoring thirty this year. Yeah. And we haven't seen that since. I I don't think I think the last guy to do it was was Mike Green, right? Um, so that may be because I don't think Brett Burns ever hit it, but. Um, but um, at least not as a defenseman. I'm not sure if he made it as forward. As a hybrid forward but, uh, player, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so I think one of those things will happen, whether Dougie takes another step and becomes a, a really transcendent defensive scorer, uh, goal scorer, or um, one of one or both of uh, Slavin and Pesci uh, start to contribute even more in that way because I think both of them have the ability to do it. Yeah, I liked your pick of Brett Pesci. I've always felt like there's there's the offense that I don't think people necessarily give enough credit to him for because I mean, you see him play, I mean, he's he's capable of being a guy who can consistently reach 35 however many points. I mean, he's able to do that, but maybe the the more years he gets, the more comfortable he feels doing that. I mean, we certainly saw that in the second half last year, what he's capable of doing offensively. Um, well, especially if he plays with Jake Gardner, which is oh, like that's yeah. going to be the plan. I mean, I think that changes a lot of things. You know, there's a, you know, there's definitely an advantage to playing with a guy like that who is is so good at uh, at moving the puck up the ice and and being a weapon in and of itself. That it it uh you know I think it, it's different than than what. Uh, you know, what Falk brought, which was more of a, you know, Falk kind of, his offense was, I'm going to bring the hammer, and that's what I'm going to do. And yeah. if it goes in, great. If it doesn't, then fine. Uh, Jake Gardner, you can, in just watching practices and, you know, watching him over the years, you can see that he's um, he's not of one mind. He's not, okay, I'm going to pass or I'm going to shoot. He's, you know, all over the place with his decisions on that, which makes him dangerous. And I think it's going to benefit the guy who plays with him, which it looks like it'll be at least Pesci to start the year. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we had to eventually get to the big old, um, prediction part. Um, Corey, I want you to tell me, are the hurricanes going to be a playoff team this year? One, um, two, where do you see them finishing in the metropolitan? We, Justin and I, in, uh, I think last week we, we talked about this and, I think Justin said that he had them finishing third in the Metropolitan. Um, I was feeling a bit, a bit confident, and I said that they were going to finish second in the Metropolitan Division. Where do you see them finishing? Who are they finishing behind? Let me ask. Who um, you thought? I had Washington, Carolina, Pittsburgh. Justin had Washington, Pittsburgh, Carolina. Okay. I I have big doubts about about both Washington and Pittsburgh this year. I feel like Holtby is um, this is probably his last year there. I think that's going to weigh on him. Um, I, I don't think he'll be back. And I didn't love the way he played last year. All that being said, that's almost, yeah. And um, all that being said, you know that's a stacked team. And the experience there, I think, and uh, having Alex Ovechkin and, and Nick Backstrom is is a huge, uh, obviously a huge, a huge advantage, right? Uh, but probably, I mean, to be honest, probably more dangerous than having Crosby and Malkin. To be honest, just you know, At this point, yeah. Backstrom, yeah, Backstrom doesn't get the credit that he deserves for all that. Um, I, I feel like Carolina's probably a third place team. I just don't know who's going to finish ahead of them. I feel like one of those two teams that, that we just talked about is going to, is going to slide. And I think it's more likely to be Pittsburgh. Um, but I really don't know. 
Um, I like what New Jersey did, but the defense is a little shaky. Um, New York made a lot of moves, but again, the defense yeah. is uh, is tough, especially with all these teams that have uh, you know have so much so much firepower up front now, Carolina included. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know Columbus, I think is going to have a down year, but I, I think third place is probably is probably a fair guess. And I, if they're not a playoff team, then, then something I think went horribly wrong, whether it's the goaltending or a major injury that really unhinges things. But at the same time, they they battled through Jordan Stahl being hurt last year. And while many people are of the mind that that's a, you know, maybe not a positive thing, but that, you know, maybe he, he wasn't that big of a part. Uh, Jordan is an absolute horse out yeah, there. And he, it's so important he to prove that. He definitely proved that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I think yes, for sure. I think they're, I think they're a playoff team, just the additions. You know, I think they've upgraded, you know, we talked about the defense is Gardner an upgrade over Falk. I, I think so. Offensively. I, I think he is. Yeah. I think, I think he is. Um, and I think Edmondson is an upgrade over, you know, whoever was, you know, maybe maybe he's on par with. I guess he's on par with the Han from last year. Um, you know, similar similar players, similar, but yeah, more yeah. physical. Um, but more physical, and um, you know, without the injury history too, which is nice. He, uh, and he then proved he's willing to block a shot or five in the uh, yeah couple of preseason games he did play. For sure, and then um, you know, whatever happens at number six with the combination of of Flurry and and Van Riemsdyk when he gets back. I don't think you take a step back there. So to me, the defense is better or at least as good. And we've added another year to these young guys that are, you know, emerging into uh, guys that you start talking about for trophies, I think. Um, And then at forward, you know, yeah, there's a couple of subtractions, Michael Furland, uh, maybe addition by subtraction there, given the the distraction that all was. Yeah. Right. And um, Justin Williams is obviously a huge person to replace, but you would hope Eric Halla, Ryan Dezingle can replace that. Svechnikov can take his game up. And then, you know, we talked about Marty Natchez at the beginning. Yeah. If he can be any semblance of a 15 goal guy on the third line that helps on the power play, that's just gravy. So um, I think they're a better team. And then we'll see what happens in net. You know, I think Peters had a great preseason. I think he's mm-hmm. looked uh, as good as he's looked. Uh, with Carolina, just really sharp and and confident, and he knows he's number one. Uh, and then I'm not in love with the backup situation right now. But like you said, I mean, if if Reimer doesn't work out, you could go to Forsberg, and if Forsberg doesn't work out, you can go to Djokovic. <laughs> so there's options there. You, you got to hope one of those guys can play at some point. So it's a uh, maybe a little bit of a roulette wheel there, but at least there's a lot of a lot of spots on the roulette wheel where you have money put down. Yes. Um, all right, real quick. Um, new away jerseys, yay or nay? Yeah, I'm going to say to you the same thing I said on Twitter, which is I asked my son what he thought. He's 12, and he was like, oh, those are cool. So I'm going to go with they're cool. <laughs> okay. They're not my cup of tea, to be honest with you, but I look at like all the college football jerseys now, and I'm kind of curmudgeonly old guy now you know i'm in mm-hmm. i'm in my early 40s so i'm curmudge- you know i remember when oregon came on the scene and started doing this and everyone was outraged <laughs> uh and now it's now it's, it's totally different. totally different yeah so i mean not my favorite but i didn't love the old ones either so um you know they're fine i think they're fun you know like i said if the kids like them that's really what it's about it's about getting young people interested in it and involved in it and you know, fans are going to buy jerseys no matter what you do on it. You know, yeah. as proven by the by the current main logo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one to ten. Give me a grade on Jordan Stahl's new hair that he's rocking nowadays. There's, I mean, you know, there's one right it. answer you know, to this. You know how I feel about this. I'm swooning just thinking about it. <laughs> it's a ten. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh my god, I would kill for Jordan Stahl's hair. I, I would kill for it. I mean, uh, yeah, I remember in the early days of Jordan Stall in Carolina, he had that long hair. I don't think it was as good as it is now, though. I think it's reached oh, another level. I feel like the, the captain's so kind of 
And, you know, the loss of, this is something I thought about, losing Justin Falk, you're losing a lot of hair there, you know? And yeah, it true. feels like Jordan Stahl was able to kind of make up for the loss there. And, you know, well, I think you, that's a sign of leadership. You also lose Justin Williams' crazy, ridiculous oh, hair. <laughs> but you add, but you add Eric Hollis' flow. So um, there's, there's definitely a... Uh, you know, there, there's some some change in the in the cost on the team, but I think, uh, <laughs> but I think Jordan upped his game enough to uh, to you know make it. Uh, and we'll see what Dougie does. My God, Dougie Dougie started oh, wow. off close props, but yeah, that was but he might <laughs> shock. That was shocking on <laughs> media day to see yeah. that. He might uh, he might go Mike Commodore and kind of do the <laughs> okay. I'll start off clean cut, and we'll see where I'm at at the end of the year. And last year it was. <laughs> Uh, straight out of an achy breaky heart video yeah. <laughs> uh awesome uh cory thank you so much for for joining me here um everybody uh if you're not following cory lavalette on twitter uh, of course you are but if you're not uh fix that it's at cory lav on twitter c-o-r-y-l-a-v north state journal nsj online.com cory you're you're the you're the best i appreciate you joining me Thanks, Brad. It was a ton of fun. Let's do it again.